From the Shumway Theater in downtown Rockford, this is the Guilty Pleasures Podcast, presented by Rockford Writers Guild. Here's your host, Connie Coons. Thank you, Jesse. Hi, everyone. It is Connie Coons, and you are listening to the Guilty Pleasures Podcast. The month is April. It's season one. It's episode 18. And Ms. Bahia El Shabazz is back in the Shumway studio to share the third trimester of her personal essay, The Parts. Hello, Bahia. Hi, Connie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I think we should start. Okay. All right. But I don't want to start this. I think somebody special should start this. Sir? You look like a nice person. Could you tell us your name? Uh, yes, my name is Nasir El Shabazz. <gasps> Nasir El Shabazz is in the Shumway studio today. What are the coincidences? I can't believe it. Nasir, you are the subject of the essay, The Parts. Could you please introduce your mother? Oh, yes. This is my mother, Bahia El Shabazz. And away we go. October, less than two months from the beginning of us. He's three or four pounds, the weight I was when I came out early and fit into my grandfather's big pale palm. His lungs may even be developed, so I sleep a little better at night. He can open and close his eyes, recognize light, and follow it. I'm huge, and hands can no longer help themselves. Old hands, little half-grown grubby hands, even strange hands at the grocery store, fondling me on top of my ugly knit maternity sweater from Sears. I'm all out there, throbbing. This belly, this baby, is me now. I make my body move me as few places as possible, down the stairs and back up to bed again mostly. Nikki's big brother is getting married, and they've asked me to be a witness. Their wedding will be on November 30th, 20 days before my original due date, but only seven before the new one they've given me, based on his size. The wedding shower is a costume-themed one, so I draw a five o'clock shadow with eyeliner and buy one of those hats that holds beer cans, and I throw my dad's bear sweater over my belly. I'm getting incredibly uncomfortable, but not scared. I should be, but I feel this calm. I don't know if you already know this, but the center of a tornado... The eye of it is perfectly still. I'm nearly 21 and had no idea until recently, eating a bowl of Fruit Loops and watching PBS Kids revving up. There's so much I don't know that I need to. On Halloween, I sit close to the front door with the candy bowl at my feet, flipping through a costume magazine, thinking about next year as I wait for the doorbell dings. He might be Elmo or a panda or an elephant, an elephant, with a tiny floppy trunk that fits right under his double chin. He'll be almost one, fat and toothy. I want to know what he looks like better than anything, so bad I fidget and bite my nails and pee just a little on myself sometimes. November. On the 4th, I go to my world history and Bible as literature classes at the local community college. I sit poking his foot and trying to listen. After school, I turn 21 with my parents. They gift me with the movie Finding Nemo, a start to my inevitable animated movie collection. 
We eat at the Mexican restaurant that shares my name. I order fajitas, my favorite, but nothing tastes quite right anymore. He's ready already. He's coming. I'm not ready, but a few weeks isn't going to fix that. So let's go. November 29th, 4.30 p.m. I'm bleeding when I pee at my chubby friend John's house, so I drive myself in. I don't feel any pain, but when they hook me up to the belt that knows better, they tell me I'm contracting and they'll keep me. Everyone I love is preparing for a wedding in the morning. I think about that for a split second, but I can't care about being inconvenient right now, so I just call and they come. Gradually, my womb walls tighten harder and harder until I can't stand to hear a single word, not to me and not to each other and not even in a whisper during a contraction. I walk the halls with my IV until midnight when they break my water with a stick and I can't take even the thought of walking five feet to the bathroom. They turn off the lights in the room except the glowing green and yellow on the beeping machines. I close my eyes and rock in a chair, freeze on the contractions, hold my breath and squeeze my eyes and take it. I refuse to scream or whine or take medicine. I make my own mantra and focus hard on it. Soon it will be over and you never have to do it again. Soon it will be over and you never. No epidural? Are you sure? I shake my head fast at the nurse because if I open my mouth, I'm not really sure what might fly at her. My eyes stay closed. Anyone could be in the room. Anything could be happening. I couldn't care less. I just want to wrestle with the pain until morning. Suddenly, a nurse's hand is on my shoulder, telling me they have to check. It's bright outside. She feels his head. Lots of hair, she whispers, cheesing at someone maybe my mom or Jenny across the room. I don't know where they stand, and that's fine, as long as they don't come close. You're going to push now. It's time to meet them. I close my eyes and grip the backs of my thighs and bear down hard when they tell me I can. The pressure is enormous. I thought it would be painful from start to end, but surprisingly, it's just like taking a shit. One you know might tear the skin between your vagina and anus, but still, it's really more momentum than pain. I'm going with it, have to, already strapped in, peeking at the top of the drop. Finally, at the end, it hurts colossally. The ring of fire, the books all called it. But still, I stifle the screams. It doesn't burn long. As soon as his head pops out, there's relief. They turn him sideways to maneuver his shoulders, and the rest of him slips out after. He's wailing, a wiggling brown body, dark mohawk of curls. They're weighing him, and he poops, black and tarry, all over the scale. The nurses are cooing to him, and my mom is crying, taking pictures. I let myself fall back and breathe. Probably this relief is similar to finishing a marathon, surfacing after drowning deep, escaping a killer, and making it home. They place him on my chest, and his gooey eyes lock on mine. I guess maybe he can't really see me yet but we're in love. I have a red pimple on my cheek, and he has a matching one in the exact same spot. There's a group of medical students in the room. I guess I agreed to it. I have no idea. The doctor, who I don't even know or remember being aware of during labor, 
tells me that they cut my perineum, and one of his students is going to stitch me up. Since pushing him out wasn't even so bad, I've decided I'm the toughest woman in the world, so this will be nothing. My legs are still wide open in the stirrups, and there are a thousand people in the room, and I don't even care. They take the baby away to bathe him, as a hairy young man with an accent pulls a chair up to my crotch and says, Hello. Never have I broken a bone, or had to have stitches, or done more to myself than a bruise. But suddenly I know pain, the second the needle is pushed through my skin. I scream so loud, but he doesn't say anything, just goes in for another. I try my hardest to be silent like I was in labor, but I can't. I suck in air and yell, fuck, through it each time. I catch a glimpse of my mom making a pained face back in the corner. Ouch, I growl at him. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's hard for him to get the needle through. After maybe the eighth stitch, he looks up and asks, do you want some medicine to numb you? What? I cannot believe that there was something he could have done to relieve this even a little bit. There's medicine? A shot. How many do you have left to do? Um, one. He seems nice. I don't want to let loose on him. No, just fucking do it. Get it over with. I take in as much air as I can hold and squeeze my eyes. When it's done, he gets up without a word, and they give me my baby, and everyone files out of the room to leave us alone. I look at him and melt and feel horrible for cussing. I wish they'd all come back so I could show my new glowing side. After he nurses and is sleeping warm and satisfied and swaddled professionally in his white blanket, I realize I'm starving. I let them take him to the nursery and slowly pull myself up to woof down the breakfast they bring. I'm sure that in real life, these pancakes are as good as paper. But in this moment, swollen with pride and sedated with relief, all the pain done, all the love swirling through me, they're the most delicious thing that has ever set foot in my mouth. I savor them, burp, and fall asleep. At night, when everyone but the nurses are gone, and the room is dark and hushed, and he's sleeping in his little yellow hat knit by an old woman volunteer, recuperating from his entrance, breathing in his small healthy gulps, everything, everything is right, like it never has been before. I wouldn't be surprised if we walked out of this hospital right into overnight world peace. I stay awake until four, watching new parent TV and looking down at his watermelon lips. I try to leave him be, but sometimes I can't resist taking one or two or three or ten kisses. He stirs and nurses, sleeps sweaty in the crook of my arm. A grinning, big-boobed mother on screen shows me different nursing possibilities. The classic, the football hold. She shows me how to properly diaper. How to swaddle so he'll feel safe like he did inside. This is me, Mama. From now until infinity, I'll never just be my regular old selfish self. There's no way I could have guessed at what this would feel like. And there's no going back. There's no shrinking from this. 
from him. No do-overs. No fucking up. I'm suddenly overcome with sadness. It's unlike anything I've ever felt. Not that he's here, or that I have to grow up on fast forward, or that for now and possibly forever, it will be just me and him. It's none of that, at least not tonight. It's only that he'll be gone someday. Already I can picture his limbs stretching, his cheeks toning, the world wanting him, pulling him from me. I want this night with this exact me, 21 and smitten, and this exact him, 12 hours of life lived, warm, full and content, to go on and on and on and on and on. I fight sleep off all night. There's no way I'm missing a second. Adrenaline is still flowing, so it is not hard to stay awake until the sky starts to pink, holding and smelling and drinking him in, whispering in the teeny tunnels of his ears how much, how strong, how crazy we're going to love each other, all through our current poverty and my comeback to college and nightmares and knee scrapes and too coolness and back talk and whatever tries coming our way. The world can bring it. He's going to be chivalrous. He's going to be articulate. He's going to know how and when to shut up. He's going to be kind. He's going to be everything a woman in her right mind could want, everything I've felt and glimpsed and almost had and wished for. He's going to be gentle. He's going to walk away when he can. He's going to be able to knock someone out cold when he has to. He's going to be loyal. He's going to melt mouths. He's going to mend hearts. He's the making of a masterpiece. And if it takes every second of every hour of every day, I'm going to mold him. He isn't going to run. He isn't going to shrink when he's needed. He won't hurt. He won't take what isn't his. He won't leave messes. Whatever he is or he isn't will be all to my credit or my fault. If I do nothing else meaningful... I'm going to make a man out of this soft, sweet lump in my lap. Put him together, part by part. I'll be here. I love your writing so much. Thank you. I cried when I read it, and I cried when I listened to it. So I want to say thank you for sharing this very poignant, very honest story with us. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And it's also our pleasure to let our listeners know that the subject of your story is standing with us in this interview. Hi, Nasir. Hi. We've heard about you. Now let's hear from you. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. How old are you? I'm 15. And you are the oldest of how many siblings? Uh, of five siblings, but I do have an older brother who lives in Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tell us what it's like to be 15 years old with that many siblings. Uh, it's uh, pretty crazy. It can be annoying at times, a lot of times, but uh, I've gotten used to it over the years. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah, there one pretty... sibling that you are particularly close to? Uh, well, probably Ashira for now, because at least now she's the one that gets less. She she's not on my nerves as much as the others. <laughs> right. Tell us a little bit about Ashira. How old is she? Uh, she's three. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, she's, of course, very silly, and uh, she's she loves to um, she loves to like play princess things or like any other three year old girl would like to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time uh, taking care of her, especially when she was younger, like one. But now she's she's um, maturing pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She can talk pretty good, and she she says sometimes like the funniest things. Yeah. I have to ask: Do you ever see yourself being a parent in the future? Oh yes, oh, yeah. Wow. And you know that at age fifteen. Uh well, I mean, I guess it's kind of just like uh, I'm not really scared of children like now, like some people are, because well, I've like been through having babies and siblings mm-hmm. like like four times. Mm-hmm. Who are other big families that you know? Um, well, one of my best friends, JT, he has um, the same amount of siblings as I do. And um, let's see. Well, I know your family has how many? Three? We have four. Four, kids. four, four right. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty close. But And um, another one of my best friends, Miracle, she has... Uh, Three siblings or two siblings that she lives with, but she has a couple that she uh, isn't that don't live with her. Mm-hmm. So big families are normal for you. Yeah. What else is normal for you in terms of education? I know you have an untraditional way of being educated, and I was wondering if you would share that with us. Oh yeah, well, um, for a while uh, I've been doing a kind of homeschool. I guess it's like. Because I've been traveling back before, like between here and Las Vegas and other places, so um, for a while I haven't gone to uh, like traditional school. But last year I was at a local high school here called Auburn. Mm-hmm. But um, this year I was in Las Vegas for with my dad for a while, so um, I left there and I've kind of just been doing my own thing, I guess. Do you miss Las Vegas? Uh, yeah. Why? Because it's it's uh, it's more vibrant than Rockford. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us something that you learned? A lesson that you learned while you were there this winter? Don't slack off. Okay. Or else my dad will get on you. Oh, oh my. Okay. <laughs> I'm not slacking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, could you also tell us something that you learned while you were at Auburn this year? I learned a couple of things, like just random facts, like about. Um, Muslim culture, like things about uh, Sharia law and uh, ziggurat, like what ziggurats are. It's like a type of a building, but I don't know, just kind of random facts. Like that's what I think of when you ask that question. Mm-hmm. Those are wonderful facts to learn. Yeah, but also um, I've learned about, since I'm a freshman, I learned in high school that it is not like the movies, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. I remember when I was little, I used to think that high school is going to be like high school musical. Oh, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. What's some advice you have for other people your age? What is something that gets you through the days? Like just kind of uh, picturing myself where I want to be and knowing that I have to do certain things to get there or just staying motivated, I guess. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to share with your listeners before I ask you one last question? Um, not really, no. Not really? Okay. May I ask you one more question then? Yeah. Tell us about your relationship with your mother. 
oh, we're very close. I've been uh, almost seeing her, like, every day, all day, probably, because, you know, when I help my siblings and stuff, and because I'm not at school and I'm in Rockford. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, pretty close. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And Bahia standing mm -hmm. right here. This is one of the things I love about Bahia El Shabazz listeners is because her son is standing right next to her and she didn't interrupt him or cut him off at any time. And most mothers interrupt and say, how are you? You know, they get nervous and tense because they're not necessarily ready to let their kids speak. So I want to say this is yet another remarkable talent about oh, you. Thank you. I think I do that sometimes, but... Um He's doing a great job. I, I do. I catch myself doing that sometimes, speaking, speaking for my kids. I, I do it, too. And yeah. I, I don't like this about myself. Yeah. And I admire it when I hear this calm presence. I know we're all human. But anyway, tell us something special about Nasir now. Mm. Nasir, although he touched on being irritated by his siblings, which I know he can get. He's He is a really good big brother, mm -hmm. especially to Ashira, who's three. He's... And uh, my husband has gone a lot in Las Vegas and L.A., and he um, is definitely not a father figure, but he definitely takes – he's definitely her her male – well, Papa. Her Papa and her big brother are definitely her male figures when Dad's not around. Mm -hmm. um, he's very protective, which is what his name means. Nasir oh. means protector. Um, sometimes he's a little overprotective of them. Like, he – sometimes I'm like, they're fine. He's like, but – he gets a little nervous about you know them playing outside or. Oh wait, no, that's yeah. there's the, the, it's in context. I mean, them not playing in the street. That's what right, I right. But like, so he'll be nervous about things that I feel like they can handle it, and I'm not saying it's a negative thing. Them not thing. playing it's outside like, is a little extreme. Okay, that's true. But he gets nervous sometimes <laughs> at things that I'm not nervous about. He's mm -hmm. because he's very protective, mm -hmm. um, very mature. Um, very, very self-motivated, mature. Yeah. Yes, okay. not immature. Very <laughs> mature, very self-motivated. Mm -hmm. um, with homeschool, he really does his own thing. He's really good about making sure he does all the things he needs to do mm -hmm. to get where he wants to go, even things he doesn't necessarily love to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I'd like to say he's also a very good actor. He oh, is okay. a very good actor, yes. He was in a play that we all did last summer, Cultivation. He played Tank Man, and he was very compelling. Oh, thank you. Um, now that we know what your name means, I'm going to turn the microphones to you. What does your name mean? My name, um, when you look it up, it says it means beautiful, but uh, it's Arabic, and a Persian friend of my mom's once told us that it, the real meaning is closer to light upon light. Closer to light upon light. Wow, that's beautiful. Thanks. And a lot to live up to. Yes. Do you ever feel like there's too much pressure on you? No, not really. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, tell us what it was like to finish this story. What was your emotional process as you were writing about your beautiful son and the awful stitches? Yeah. And um, the amazing pushing and the momentum of it all? Yeah. Um, I wrote it. I can't even remember exactly when I finished it because I was writing it over some over years. Um, and I've, I've even changed it recently, like um, in the last few months, a little bit, slightly. Um, so, yeah, it's not, I don't really get that emotional when I'm writing, even though I'm, when I'm writing about personal or emotional things. It doesn't, um, I mean, I can, I feel, sometimes I feel the things that I was feeling at the time, but it doesn't, I don't get overcome with emotion, I guess I should say, mm -hmm. when I'm writing about, mm -hmm. about things. There is something I wanted to ask you, and I actually meant to talk to you off mic about this. Mm -hmm. So, we'll, 
take this out if you don't want to talk about it. But you mentioned your husband travels a lot. I've yeah. not met Malik. Oh, yeah. And I know he's a famous person. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, because that's really interesting, but I didn't want to sound like a sycophant, like, ooh, <laughs> husband, you know. Right, but yeah. Would you speak a little bit about your tra- husband's work and how he travels so much and how you do manage the household? You both do. Yes, he, mm-hmm. definitely, he definitely helps me. Um he is a spoken word artist slash songwriter. He's more famous for his songwriting. Well, he's famous for both, really. He's got started with um, poetry, spoken word poetry in Chicago, and was on Deaf Poetry Jam and wrote, um, or not wrote, he helped, he coached Lauren's um, Tate in Love Jones, the movie. Mm-hmm. And so he, so that was his start, and then he started writing, um, and he's written almost every, probably probably every Kanye West single you've probably ever heard. Mm-hmm. He's co-written. Um, he wrote Lemon- for Lemonade um, from Beyonce. He wrote Sandcastles, and he's written and worked with a lot of people. So he does travel a lot because of that. He's in L.A. a lot or New York or Vegas um, probably like 80% of the time, maybe mm-hmm. 85% of the time. That's a big sacrifice. Yeah, but, um, I mean, I think it works because I'm able to stay home with them um, and we, we actually moved to Rockford from Chicago because he started traveling more and more. And so to be closer to my friends and my parents, mm-hmm. we moved back here. Mm-hmm. And we lived down the street from my parents, almost basically at their house because we're there a lot. Um, so that's a big help. I don't know how, I'm not sure how it would work if we lived somewhere where I didn't have a close um, community. Mm-hmm. Um, Nasir is very helpful. Now that he's 15, especially, he can babysit for me a lot while I run to the store or do things like this. When he, you know, if he wasn't here, he'd be at home with the kids. Um, so yeah, that's how we make it work. I yeah, guess. it's a beautiful thing to witness. Thanks. You know, I'm new to the your family and your friendship circles, but whatever I see, I'm always in awe as you handle it very well. And your kids are all so cute and so nice. Thank you. And talented. And I want to actually say. Your grandmother, Nasir, your mother, is Sharon Nesbitt Davis, who was our February speaker. Yes. So we're almost, you know, we got your dad in here, we got your mm-hmm. son in here, we got you in here, we got your mom. Who will be next? Anyway, right. <laughs> I'm hoping Kalam. Right? Kalam is actually writing a book. <laughs> he is writing a fantasy book mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah, we hope to do a Gildy Juniors oh, cool. thing many months down the line, mm-hmm. but we hope to have some children's writing and interviews in here at some point. That'd be great. All right. Um, what would you like to say to Nasir now about his education? What's the oh, advice you would like education. to give him? Um, I think he just needs to keep going the way he's going. I think that sometimes he um, questions of whether or not he like is doing the right thing by not being in traditional school, which I totally understand because it can be scary to feel like um, you're on a different path that not many people are on because – not only is are we homeschooling, but we're unschooling, which means he pretty much chooses the path he wants he's on and what things he wants to study. Um, so, but like I think he's doing a great job with it, and I think he should just keep going the way he's going. Okay. Now back to the parts. You've given birth five times. Yes. Uh, do you have a preferred method of giving birth? Um, water birth, which I was not able to do with this year. I was in um, the hospital. But with the other four, I was either in the birth center in Madison um, for two of them, and I had a water birth in the tub. And then my last two were at home, supposed to be water births. One of them came on the couch, and the, <laughs> the fourth one, or the fifth one, uh, she came in the water. So the water is definitely my preference. It takes a little pressure off the contractions and it a little bit of sting out of the delivery. Okay. 
Well, we've heard about you personally. We've met your firstborn son. Will you please come back next week and share from Fat Father? I will. Before we do that, before we sign off, just tell us a little bit about what Fat Father is. Um, Well, we have been calling it Fat Father in our writing group. Um, Right now, the working title is Come Back and Tell Me Everything, and it is a YA novel. Um, The first draft is completed and working on a second draft. Um, It's about a teenage girl named Shayna who takes care of her um, immobile father and is also dealing with um, trauma from sexual assault. Yes, this is wonderful. When I received your latest revision, I thought that was the chapter title. So oh. it's no longer entitled Fat Father. Right. That's kind of what we just we called it okay. before I had a title. All right. So say, yeah. the t- say the new title one more time. Come back and tell me everything. Will be here. Will you come back and tell me everything? I, w- I will come back and tell you a little bit. A, a little bit. Well, I'll take whatever <laughs> I can get. Nasir, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for popping into the Shumway. Oh, no problem. Thank you. All right. Hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. See you later, Ms. Bahia. See you next week. Bye. A version of the parts previously appeared online at phoebejournal.com, where it won Phoebe Journal's Creative Nonfiction Award of 2014. The Guilty Pleasures podcast is made possible by Rockford Writers Guild, Rockford Area Arts Council, The Shumway, and you, our listeners. Subscribe to Guilty Pleasures on iTunes or Google Play, or download podcasts from our website, rockfordwritersguild.org email feedback to editor at rockfordwritersguild.org follow us on social media we're on facebook at rockford writers guild and instagram and twitter at guilty pleasures thank you for listening this is your producer jesse Kuntz. now go write